welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Sports aren't all fun and games. In a perfect world, they would be. But in a world divided by so many controversial issues, it's impossible to keep serious subject matter from seeping into the sports world. Someone who's never shied away from the issues is Gainesville Sun columnist David Whitley. Aside from Gainesville, David's worked all around the state in Fort Walton Beach, Tallahassee, Tampa, and Orlando, among other places, having been on editorial boards and written columns on a whole host of subjects. Today, we're going to break down several of his recent columns, including sports washing with the Saudis to transgender athletes in sports to a potential brawl between two of the richest, most influential people on the planet, and much more. We'll bring David in to tackle all that in just a moment. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. He's smart, he's witty, and he's here now to fill us with mirth and knowledge. David, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. It's been too long. Absolutely. So, you know, David, it's the summer. It's kind of that slow time of year for sports. We basically only got baseball going. Even the WNBA is at its break, so there's just not a ton going on. We do have the uh, Women's World Cup coming up here soon. And so that's the first thing that I want to tackle. Last week, U.S. star Megan Rapino she said that she would accept a transgender woman replacing a biological female on the U.S. national team. And this has been obviously a, a hot-button topic. And you recently wrote about transgender athletes in sports. So before we talk about your column, you know, Rapino she's in her final Women's World Cup. She's 38 years old. Do you think she might have a different tune about playing, you know, competing against a biological male if she were 22 and just making her first World Cup? Well, I mean, let's put it this way. If, if, she, uh, if she were 22 and doing this and, and really stood by her convictions, uh, the chance of her making the uh, U.S. women's uh, national team would be about as good as you or I making it. I mean, she, she would basically she would be a. Should be another, just another purple-haired barista at Starbucks. All right. Well, you know, talk about that column because I think there were some really great points you made in that column about how you know there seems like there's very little nuance. You're either on one extreme or you're on the other extreme, but you can't say, "Hey, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm okay with transgender people. I support what they want to do. I just don't think it's right for a transgender male to compete." against women. And I think you laid out a very good argument for that. So why don't you talk about that column and what are some of the, th- the points you laid out there? Yeah. I mean, uh, if only people could, could have the point of view that you just stated that, you know, there is a middle ground there and, but it all begins with having an honest conversation about the topic. And what got me going on this column was the, uh, there, there's a bill in front of uh, Congress now. It's actually been there for a couple of years, but they, they reintroduced it a few weeks ago the gender equity bill, and it addresses a lot of th- different things with the LGBTQ plus community about civil rights and all that. But part of it is the uh, sports participation angle. And uh, in the bill, 
um, basically it would require uh, it wouldn't require any uh, hormonal treatments, any surgery, anything uh, for a a male to play female sports. Uh, all they would have to do is just say, I, I feel like I'm a I'm a female, and uh, therefore you must accept me. Uh, and this causes you know a, a, a lot of consternation, as you can as you noted. Uh, but as part of this this uh, bill in the passage, they had a hearing in Congress, and uh, and among the witnesses was a, a Kelly. I think her last name is Robinson. She's the she's the head of a uh, of an LGBTQ rights um, uh, action committee. And uh, she was asked by one of the senators, um, Senator John Kennedy, which I think it's you know if, if you have a kid named Kennedy, you don't name him John, but that's neither here nor there. Everybody thinks, oh gosh, I'm not that John Kennedy. No, this is the guy from Louisiana, and he uh, he sort of started asking her about uh, her view on women participation in sports and, and, and trans trans women participation in sports. And he said, you know, have the, uh, how many, uh, how many trans women are in, now I've used the term trans women. There's also the term biological women. Basically it's just how many, we're talking about uh, people who are born males who, who now think they're females or, or are females uh, legally. And uh, he said, how many, how many of these trans women are in the NBA? And her argument was, well, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there's there's a story about how some men think they can take Serena Williams in tennis, how they can beat her. And, you know, that's just crazy. <laughs> and so I mean, what's crazy is the fact that that's her defense, but because, you know, a couple of yahoos or a bunch of think, think they can beat Serena uh, Williams in, in tennis, that means that, that uh, males have no biological advantage over females when it comes to sports. And so he went on and said, look, you know, as you're saying, look, I, we're all for LGBTQ rights when it comes to housing and discrimination, and all that. But sports is sort of a different thing. And you lose your credibility when you refuse to admit that, that men have an advantage over women in sports. And she, she went back to you. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but again, do you think you could beat Serena Williams in tennis? <laughs> I mean, for one thing, the the, uh, the senator he's seventy one years old. He probably couldn't. But I mean, does that mean that 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 LeBron James wouldn't dominate WNBA game? According to her logic, it would. So I mean, it's just they lose credibility, and and you know, it, it's just preposterous that they do this because you just can't help but laugh because nobody, no serious person, believes that males don't have an advantage over females in sports. Now, then this sort of gets to the other degree. How do you how do you, uh, you know, approach this problem then? Because it, it's a growing problem. I mean, because I don't know about you, but I, I don't recall any this being a, an issue at all 20 years ago or before. I mean, there were men competing as women in sports, but they were usually uh, altered by the uh, by the East Germans or or the uh, or, or the Soviet Union in, in the Olympics. Uh, but but now it's it's becoming obviously more of a societal thing. And uh, I mean, transgenderism is, is, a, is a, uh, a big issue now. And so you're going to see this more and more and you're seeing it becoming more of a problem in the Olympics and, and other places. So how do you how do you classify this? Because you want people uh, who, who, who are transgender to have a competitive outlet. But, you know, it's not it's just not fair when someone like and the, the, the go to argument right now is, is Leah Thomas. Uh, I, I'm sure most of our listeners remember that that whole rhubarb last year where 
you know, uh, Leah Thomas was was a, a, a male on the, uh, I think it was the University of Pennsylvania swim team one year and was uh, rather mediocre, had, was maybe like, you know, the, in the 500th ranked swimmer in, I think, the 200 uh, individual medley as a male and then transitioned and became a female and uh, and suddenly became the number one ranked female in the NCAA and, and won by, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 yards. And so this got everybody up in arms and said, you know, this, this is just crazy when this happens. And, you know, the problem is that it has become politicized. And so, as you said, you, if you come out and criticize Leah Thompson like that, you're automatically labeled a transphobe, uh, homophobic, and all this kind of stuff. And 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 it, it's almost amusing because some of the the main people who are against trans uh, uh, just out, out open participation of of, uh, of men and in, in sports and in female sports are the women. I mean, there's a, a thing it's called the National Women U.S. Women's Sports Council, which is like hundreds of Title IX pioneers like uh, Martina Navratilova, uh, Nancy Hogshead. Um, Donna Lopiano and, you know, even, even Renee Richards, who was like the first transgender. And they come out and said, look, we, we respect the right of everybody to compete, but it is simply not fair for, for a biological male to compete against a biological female. There are measures in between either through the hormonal treatment. I mean, that that's what they're trying in some sports, but even then it's hard to balance it. I mean, Leah Thomas went through the required hormonal treatments testosterone uh, reduction type things. And she still won the, uh, you know, the NCA swim meet by, you know, by, by, as I said, 20, 30 meters, her, her event, because once you go through puberty, I mean, you're still, you're always going to be, you know, six foot eight. If you're, if you're a male and you become a female, you're always going to have certain, certain just, just physical advantages and they can't be muted. And so what is the answer that, that is, that is the hard part. It's a hard question to ask, but you're never going to get there if you don't have an honest discussion. And when people are like the person that I wrote about who just refused to admit basically that the sun rises in the east and that men have an advantage over women in sports, it just becomes difficult. You can't even begin to solve the problem. Yeah, and you mentioned in sports. I mean, really, this has only been something that's been really prominent in the news over the last five or six years. It started really when there was a transgender wrestler in Texas who won back-to-back state titles you know, a biological male who won two girls titles two years in a row. Then there was a track meet in Connecticut and they started to grow from there. There was some controversy with a, you know, a bike race in New York a couple of months ago. And you're starting to see it more and more. You mentioned Leah Thomas. So, you know, I'm curious, David, you know, what has the feedback been to your column? And, you know, the, the other thing I'll mention is you said that, you know, there are, you know, several hundred or whatever it might be men that have a record over a woman. So I think in your column, you use like, a, you know, the woman's all-time weightlifting record is X and there's been a thousand men that beat it. All it takes is one man to decide he wants to compete as a woman and he automatically has the record. So what's the feedback been like? And just, you know, how difficult was it to kind of tackle this subject? Uh, well, I, you know, frankly, I sort of enjoyed tackling it because uh, to tell you the truth, uh, uh, most of what you read in the media is is uh, it's sort of it, it's all pro pro gender transition and says, well, we got to accept them. It doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, so, uh, I, you know, I, I knew, you know, it would be you know politically incorrect to, to take it on from that 
standpoint. But all you have to do is just, you know, lay out the facts and say, and say, look, do you not think that, that there's men have an advantage over women? And you can't honestly argue that they don't. I mean, sure, there are exceptions. Like, like I wrote in the column, you know, it, Serena Williams can beat, you know, you know, probably 99.9% of the males on earth in her prime. But you know, that doesn't mean she herself admitted she would have no, no shot against the top not males, but, you know, and, 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 and then the uh, argument comes, well, it, you know, it, it's, it's just at the top of, of these um, competitions, Olympically, you know, it, it doesn't really matter as you seek down into high school sports and all that. I mean, yeah, you, you tell that to the, you know, to the kid who wants to make the basketball team, but doesn't because, you know, because, because a, a, a biological male decides I want to be a, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a female. And, you know, I, I I, that, I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer. I mean, I believe there is such a thing as gender dysphoria where, where these things happen. And, and I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough issue. I mean, these I feel sorry for somebody in that position, but you know, it, it just comes down to a question. I mean, basically of, of, is it fair for them to compete against, uh, against females or, or are you on the side of equity where regardless of how much advantage they have, they should be able to compete. And you know, one, uh, I think eventually, you know, they, they're just, they may even have to just say, all right, well, do we just have an open competition where everybody competes? But in which case, you know, that, that would destroy women's sports. Cause I mean, how many, you know, how many women would, would the winner of the, uh, of the, of Wimbledon this past week, what would she, of the female division, what would she have done? I mean, she would, she would have been crushed in the first round. I mean, you'd never see a woman do anything in sports if it was that. So, I mean, that, that this is a problem, but you know, as far as the reaction, you know, it's it's been predominantly positive, and people saying, you know, you're right. I mean, the only the, in anybody who's been negative, any you know, email of uh, feedback I've got, it just falls back on, well, you're a transphobe, and they won't actually discuss the 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 actual facts of the thing. It just gets back to the name calling and and saying you just don't understand. <laughs> what is not to understand here, you know? Well, yeah, and that's part of the nuanced conversation. I mean, look, I have a daughter who's, you know, she's uh, nine years old. She's in competitive soccer. And, you know, someday when she's trying out for a high school team, I know that it would probably, as a parent, bother me if there was a biological male taking a spot from her on the soccer team. But that doesn't make me a transphobe because I still feel as though I support the trans community. But you're right. It's hard to have this discussion because immediately people will just jump on you. So it's it just it's one of those things, David. I, I don't know. It's like everything else in society. You know, most people in the middle will, will you know, be there to have a, a you know, a, a fair conversation. But the ones who are the loudest are the ones who attack the most. And I think that's probably what why this is, you know, such a, a problem is because, yeah, you do have the people on the trans side who will attack you and call you a transphobe. But then you have the people on the other side who are just, you know, so bigoted against trans people that it's not fair to them either. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you come out in, in favor of the transgender rights, then, then, you know, you're labeled like a groomer or something like that. And so, and, and the, the extremists on both sides, they control far too much of the whole narrative on this thing. Uh, but what I just found unfortunate in this, in this situation was that, you know, one of the extremists is up there giving, you know, she was chosen to give testimony for Congress to promote this bill. And it, you know, it just it just ruins the credibility of everybody else who gets up there when you have you know someone like this saying oh well you have no argument because you know because Serena Williams can beat men in sports therefore you know shut up <laughs> it was just laughable but it was fun to write about yeah well 
I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to get solved anytime soon, and both sides are going to have to get used to that, uh, you know, unfortunately the bigots are always going to be there, but, you know, trans people, their population is growing, so, you know, uh, we need to have a little maturity as a country, but as we know, that's going to be tough, and Speaking of maturity, David, let, let's transition to something a little bit lighter here, where you have two men who are billionaires who are threatening to beat each other up. Now, this would probably break every pay-per-view record if we saw Meta's Mark Zuckerberg fighting Twitter's Elon Musk. So, you know, you wrote a little bit about this, and, uh, you know, these two can talk as much smack as they want. They're never actually going to fight. So, in the end, David, do you think threads will overtake Twitter? You know, I haven't checked out Threads yet, but uh, I'm hearing interesting things. I, I don't, I don't know if it will or not. You know, if, if it, if it does, I think that, um, you know, I'm all for competition, and if it's a better product than than Twitter, uh, okay, you should win it. But it, 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 both these guys, it's a very, you know, entertaining. You, you've, you've seen celebrity boxing before, and it was always just really considered just, you know, like a, a you know, a, a, a carnival circus fair just embarrassment. And, and when you look at some of the fights over the years, you can see why, I mean, what I, I think probably the, the, the greatest fighter, and, I, and actually, you know, as part of my deep research into this thing, I, uh, I saw a Danny Bonaduce fight. If you remember Danny, he was, uh, he was Danny Partridge from, uh, from the Partridge family. Uh, and, and so he, he had this second career fighting people and, oh gosh. And, and then of course along came, uh, uh, oh, um, what, what, what's our, Tanya Harding? Um, and you know, everybody did it, basically just stamping a big, a big L loser on your forehead saying, I have no, nothing left in my career. Therefore I have to do celebrity boxing. Now, now certainly Elon Musk and, and, um, and Mark Zuckerberg aren't in that has been category. I mean, we're talking, you know, two of the preeminent human beings on earth and they control 98% of our thoughts. But it's funny to watch these two big egos clash like this. And, you know, I, I am not positive it won't come off because, you know, I, I think you know, certainly Zuckerberg, you know, he, he is really into uh, combat sports. Now, if you've seen a pair, I mean, he's, he's like buff. He, he's, he's very serious as a jujitsu guy. Uh, he's just starting out, but, you know, he doesn't mind. You know, he gets up there and, and, and uh, this is his real hobby. And, and you know, Musk, uh, I, I, I don't know what to think about him, but he's just crazy enough to maybe take it up just because, A, you know, you know, it's good. It's good publicity, and B, it would sell. Like, like I tell you what, the, the 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 key is that you mention those two names, and immediately people they have an emotional attachment to them, be it positive or negative. And but I tell you what, it it still gets them excited, and they say, yeah, you know, I'd like to see those guys fight. It's sort of like you know, I I think a lot of fans you know, just in general like would yeah, I would like to see Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin battle it out, put on the gloves, that kind of thing. <laughs> it will never happen, but, but it will go beyond just, I want to see him coaching and each other says, yeah, you guys, you know, say if, if there's a, there's a robbery, you know, gosh, I, I had Kirby, Kirby is too, too milk toast to have a robbery. But, you know, but, you know, if it was, if it was Lane Kiffin against, um, you know, who, who is he, who has he been picking on lately? Um, cause he, he, he's been gigging, uh, Oh, who, well, you know, he had a he had a pretty good tweet a few a few a couple of weeks ago during recruiting that was gigging the Gators. Although Billy Napier would never would never consent to a fight, but yeah, just guys, people like that that you, that you want to say, yeah, I wish that person would get punched in the nose by that person. You know, I I think it would it might sell. You know, and and if as long as they did it for charity, I'm like I I I have a hard time thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna pay sixty four ninety five 
to to get Elon Musk or Jeff or Mark Zuckerberg any more money. But as long as it was all for charity and and you know Dana White from uh, from the uh, UCF, I'm sorry UFC. I always get those two confused. Um, saying yeah, we, you know he's all behind it, and he says you know, and they're talking about maybe staging it at the Roman Coliseum. <laughs> like like the old gladiators were at. I mean, it would be a complete spectacle. I think it would also be once they started uh, fighting a complete embarrassment to the to to, the, to any combat sports. But uh, it would still be just the great hype leading up to be sort of like the uh, you know the, the Mayweather versus um oh uh, who who was the MMA guy Pacquiao. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was well, that was that was the actual fight. Talking to the MMA guy, the um, oh, uh, from from Ireland. Oh, uh, he's always getting in trouble. Conor McGregor. Oh, oh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, that thing did incredible numbers, and it, it was you know one of these. They were two legitimate fight, two real fighters, but it was still you know a a PT Barnum production. But yeah, it did great numbers. I remember all the way back when Ali was in his and he fought. Remember Asayo Aoki, who was a a Japanese wrestler, and it was a. It was a, a big deal, and, and, and it started, and everybody's all hyped up in Tokyo. And Aoki, I, I, he just fell on the floor on his back and started trying to kick uh, uh, Ali for like four rounds. It was the most boring thing ever. Uh, I think it would, you know, if they ever actually fought, it would be a debtor. It would look like a slap fight between, you know, two, two girls at, at, at PE. Uh-oh, there I go being chauvinist. Um, I'd say two, two, two uh, biological females at PE. Uh, and... Uh, and I, I think people would say, oh, why did I pay for this? But, you know, uh, if nothing else, as you said, it, it came along at a good time where we could we could have fun with it during a very dry time in the sports year. Yeah, the tail of the tape, Elon's definitely got size on Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg's more like my size, so I'm not going to win too many fights, and I'm in pretty good shape. But, uh, you know, I, I guess it would be fun. You're right, Dana White would make a spectacle of it. And uh, it would just, <laughs> you're right, I could just see the flailing hands of them slapping at each other. We used to call that the wimpy whap. There were there were some boys that fought like that at our school, too. And trust me, they got made fun of. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think we'd want to see that. But, you know, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, what the tweets and the threads would be like after that fight. And <laughs> it would be it would be hilarious, you know, just just the social media reactions and and and. And as it went along, and you know, like you know, the winner would get you know the 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 golden pocket protector award, or something like that. To now go back to your math lab and and you know come up with another algorithm. Well, there you go. You know, <laughs> I love that the golden pocket protector. I can't stop laughing. Um, you know, if there's one thing I like, everybody hated Elon putting the li- uh, limit on tweets, but I actually like that, and I'll tell you why. Don't people need to just put their devices down and go outside and have real human interaction? Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. You're, you're preaching to the choir there, uh, of course, as, I, as I'm holding this action. But I mean, you're right. I, you said you have you have a nine year old uh, child, daughter, and um, I, my advice is to immediately take, if she has a phone, tell, take it away from her, or tell her not tell her she gets to use it one hour because I I, I got my daughter's phone from well when they're like nine or so, and uh, I'm one of these. These terrible, you know, they they quickly became addicted to it, and we tried to wean them off it. And I tell you, it's like it's like crack. Uh, it's terrible, and I'm afraid that that's what the whole you know next generation is going to be. I mean, and it's not just kids, obviously. Yeah, everybody you see is you know. I think you know, it's not that the internet is the worst thing, the best and worst thing that ever happened, but but when it became when wireless became okay, and and you could take the internet with you, and and things became mobile, and you just can't escape it now. Uh, yeah, but boy, yeah, just to get just to put the phone down. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, I'm guilty. Isn't it? If, if I 
if I put my phone down, I can imagine like just going for an entire day. Like I was in Yosemite last year for the, and there was no cell service, you know, and it was great. It was greatly refreshing in a way, but man, you know, I, I felt like I was just, you know, on Gilligan's Island in another way. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It is nice to walk away from that phone at times. And you know, that my, my daughter is not allowed to have a phone yet. Uh, she has a tablet that she's very limited on, but that's also why she does comp soccer, three practices a week, weekend games. We fill her other days with dance classes. So that kid's going to be too busy to be glued to electrical vice- devices. Well, any parents out there, you know, uh, uh, you, you should listen to, listen to Tim because that is the approach to take. Believe me, because mine are sitting down. You know, here it is, eleven o'clock on a on a on a summer, on a on a two, on a Monday morning, and they're just and they're just typing, you know, typing away on their YouTube or or, or flailing away. But you know, don't worry, I'm going to go down and start yelling at them soon to go out and do something with their lives. <laughs> yeah, well, mine's not a teenager yet, so we'll have to see what happens when that happens. But let, let's move on to the next subject, David. This is another column that you wrote uh, w- probably about a week ago or so now. But, you know, the PGA had to sit down in front of Congress last week and discuss the details of their merger or whatever they're calling their partnership with the Saudi-backed Live Golf. And, you know, most people would rather have a root canal than be called to Congress, that's for sure. So uh, you had an interesting take that was a little bit different than the regular outrage, uh, you know, that follows 9-11 takes. And your thoughts were about sports washing and how it actually might be good for the Saudi government, do you think that things like this can actually help them be less brutal on a world stage? Why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Yeah, I mean, as you said, it 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 uh, it's easy to to be outraged about sports washing and how countries like Saudi Arabia are basically trying to buy their way into the good graces of polite society by you know by I mean they they bought you know it's not just the Saudis it's it, uh, a lot of you know Middle Eastern countries. Uh, that that have more oil than they know what to do with, and money, you know, I mean, they 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 bought up a lot of, of European soccer teams, and uh, now they're talking about getting into tennis, and uh, you know, the, of course, the LIV thing everybody knows about, and you know, the the knee jerk reactions, oh, you know, especially with with the Saudis and the LIV, because that's really bought at home in America was, you know, this is the regime that was, you know, that that uh, uh, had connections to 9/11, or at least, you know, all all the uh, Terrorists were were from Saudi Arabia and trained there, uh, pretty much. And 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 uh, of course the uh, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who was a uh, Washington Post like uh, correspondent, who was murdered by this, uh, the Saudi regime for writing things that uh, that they didn't like. And he wasn't just murdered; he was you know lured to the embassy and basically was was dismembered. And and uh, so it was it was a horrific thing. This was like 2017. So. And just the 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 the, uh, the general society there and the human rights abuses that they have, and says, uh, you know, says why would we want to to associate with this? Well, uh, you know, it, it's easy to say that, but uh, it, at some point you also have to realize, that, you know, that, that these people aren't going to go away. And 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 with the LIV, they ha- they have an unlimited checkbook uh, to to come in, and they they want. You know, at, at the heart of sports washing is they want to change their image to the world and be more presentable. And, and by doing that, you know, and, and, and as I wrote on the column, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see that that's such a bad thing because, well, for, for one thing, it, it's not working because, you know, every time that uh, I've read an LIV story or, or in, 
and since, you know, uh, gosh, for the last two years, anytime I'll be, you know, I, you read two stories on just, you know, on, on Saudi Arabia and what a, uh, what a, a you know, a, a terrible place it is for human rights. And so, you know, it's basically highlighted it. And, you know, when, when Qatar or Qatar, I'm still not sure how you pronounce it, hosted the, uh, the World Cup. It was cute of sports washing, and basically it was. They, they, you know, paid I think you know twenty two billion to FIFA to build all these things and to get the World Cup there. And it was like, oh my God, FIFA selling out. Well, of course, FIFA's been selling out for years. But uh, uh, but all you've read about uh, going into, I read as many stories about the human rights abuses at, at Qatar, in fact, more than I read about the, uh, the actual competition until it started. And and so, and, and they pulled it off and okay, but you know, I don't know how many people are, you know, are thinking, wow, you know, great, you know, uh, now that, you know, Lionel Messi had put on such a great show. I, I have no problem with Cutter, you know, uh, beheading, beheading journalists and that kind of thing. You know, I, it's a gradual thing that, that they're trying to pull off here, but I, uh, yeah. And, and the point, one thing I brought out, I, at least I hope my point I made in the column was that, um, Unlike these other authoritarian regimes like China and and Russia, the Saudis and then I can never pronounce the guy's name, you know, um, MSB, who who is basically the king of, of uh, Saudi Arabia. You know, he cares what the world's opinion is of Saudi Arabia, and so when he gets this feedback, this pushback, you know, it, it's it's going to it's going to affect him. And they they has a, they Saudi has a uh, Saudi Arabia has a like a, a seven trillion dollar. Uh, uh, it's like Saudi two third by two by twenty third. They ba- he wants to basically remake Saudi society, you know. And you can it is it is happening really at a pretty fast pace for for Saudi Arabia. I mean, until two thousand eighteen, women weren't allowed to to even drive. And now you know they can drive. They can they can go to they are there are uh, gyms where they can work out with men even. I mean, all this is just un- unprecedented in 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 the Muslim world. And it's not happening as fast as, as certainly people in the West would like, but but they are making these these concerted efforts to improve. And, and so you know, question I have is you know, yeah, they they want to they want to come in and improve their image, and and uh, and clean effects. And and why is that such a bad thing? You know, uh, we should help them, but that doesn't mean just taking their money like the LIV and just saying, okay, that's it. I mean, Billie Jean King brought up you know the the, the key point in all this, is, and and. And when she was asked about it, because the the, uh, the Saudis are also now m- making investments into uh, thinking into women's tennis, and they will probably go after the men's tour too. And she said, "Well, you know, I, I recognize the problems uh, with with the human rights abuses, but the only way you, you're ever going to uh, improve the situation is when you engage with people on this, and you and and you highlight their problems and you work with them. And yeah, you know, I think that 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 is the only way that they're going because I mean they're not going to go away. I mean it's it's not like you know if 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 the Saudi if, the reason that this whole LIV Saudi thing and the PGA thing came about is because uh, they were they were just at odds and and they were filing lawsuits and the PGA knew that it cannot it cannot continue to to spend money like it did because it cannot outspend the Saudis and the Saudis wanted to call it off because the PGA tour was throwing up all these all these lawsuits that they had discovery that that that, uh, that the Saudis they didn't want want people poking into their business and they wouldn't of course in the in the uh, Saudi Arabian court system but you know the American court system is totally different and no telling what what they might find if uh, if the PGA tour was granted discovery on some things so both decided well you know let's just call this off and get together and 
and if if for whatever reason this deal doesn't go through, basically the Saudis, you know, they're going to say, okay, well we're, you know, we're just we're just going to keep spending and we'll buy up all your stars. And now that uh, you know the and and the, the PGA start a lot of them, they're, they're very they're, they're not exactly very happy with the, with uh, with the commit with uh, Jay Monahan for basically selling them for because for for the last year they they. Monahan took the the approach that you took, that you mentioned first. It was it says, oh no, we can't we can't dirty ourselves with the Saudis. That you know these are people. You know, look what they did at nine eleven. Now you know, yeah. Basically, he he saw the handwriting wall and says, look, we're not going to spend them. They're going to put us out of business. We have to work with them. And maybe by doing this, you know, we can we can you know, by engaging, we can help them. You know, we can help get them into the twenty first century when it comes to human rights. Now you never. I mean, it's never going to be be perfect. No, no country is going to be perfect. But they said, you know, the Saudis aren't going to go away. They're going to keep. You know, they, they they have to be dealt with. And you know, and uh, so I I think you know to what extent that 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 the West can help them along the that path. I think we should we should at least at least have an open mind towards it instead of just well, it, it's sort of like you know with with the transient thing, just immediately uh, taking some sort of uh, extreme position, saying no, they're you know. Blood on their hands. Let's not deal with them. Because I mean, let's say I mean Saudi Arabia is it's a major country and a major player in the world. So you can't just not deal with them. Now, if they'd like, um, they can hire me, and I could teach them how to have good PR. Number one, free journalism. Uh, I don't mean free as in paid for free. I mean as in you know journalists have the freedom to have their like we have First Amendment freedom of press. Number two, I would stop having mass executions in the city circles. Because uh, optically, that's really bad. I mean, if, if you're going to execute people, you know, I know in in the U.S. we claim it's more humane. There's also a lot more evidence when someone's put to death, whereas in Saudi Arabia, they just hang people, 80 people on the city square. And, uh, you know, number three, just, uh, you know, sometimes in life you have to apologize for things that have happened. There doesn't seem to be a lot of reticence from that government and, you know, let's just move forward. So you're right. There, there's things that they have to do, but it's got to be more than just, you know, oh, we're trying to be friendly. Here's money. We're buying up your sports because, you know, and this could be a, a, something we could talk about all day. It also makes you wonder, you know, if they were, you know, to break through and buy an NBA team or a Major League Baseball team or, you know, and I know that the owners of the, those sports leagues and the commissioners are saying that, you know, those things aren't going to happen, but, you know, there's just so much that goes to this. And I like I like what you're saying in that, yes, let, let's take those positive steps forward. But it has to be more than just, you know, the eye candy that they're putting out there. Yeah, no, that, and, you know, that's unfortunate what the LIV has been so far, because, you know, the, the Nicholson and Dustin Johnson, you know, you know, they know, you know, who's, who's buttering their bread to the tune of, you know, Nicholson's uh, supposedly got 200 million, Dustin got 120 million. They're not going to say yeah, uh, the, the, you know, during their acceptance speech after winning the thing, saying, you know, this is great. I appreciate the Elevate Tour, but I, I also, uh, you know, uh, wish that they would stop beheading people. Um, you know, they're not going to do that. But it, 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 a lot of like if, if just, just the sight of, of, uh, of a women's tennis tournament in Riyadh, you know, that would have been unheard of five, five years ago. But now, I mean, women, you know, they, they can't even uncover their head, their heads, but, yeah, if if the if the people if the average person inside Saudi Arabia goes out and sees women out there running around in tennis shorts, I mean, just as a liminal message that says, this is what the rest of the world is. They have the freedom to do this. So that says, I want the freedom to do that. And you're saying, I mean, you know, 
10, 15 years, you the only uh, female participants you saw in the Olympics from the Middle East, from these Muslim nations, were 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 uh, were in the shooting category. In fact, one of my prized possessions is the 1996 Iraqi uh, Olympic Atlanta Olympic Games media guide, and, and it's very thin, but they have about 12. 12 female competitors and all of them were, were, were wearing their hijab. So, so all you can see their eyes and all of them are, are, uh, are pistol shooters. And, so, uh, uh, and which is just about the only sport you can, you can compete. in. I think uh, if, if you're wearing a, a full blown, uh, uh, hijab, I think, that, yeah, um, but, but now, you know, you actually see in track female track competitors from the middle East. So it's a gradual thing, but yeah, you, if, if, if the PGA tour, you know, if this does go through, you want them to highlight, you know, they don't need to go out there and wear black armbands uh, when the PG, you know, the things in, you know, to protest it. But they need to, to make to make this uh, to, to bring it up with with the, just just make it more of an issue in whatever way they can than the LV tour is doing. Yeah. And, you know, it is interesting. You make a good point there because. Uh, you know, one of the big entities here in the U.S. that goes over to Saudi Arabia a lot is wrestling, World Wrestling Entertainment. And at first, the women weren't allowed to compete, and now they can, but they have to wear very specific outfits because obviously in the U.S., they're a lot more scantily clad, but at least the women can go over there and compete and show, you know, the strength that women can have to the young girls of Saudi Arabia. So, you know, David, I, I want to move on to one last topic. We're, we're running a little bit long here, but this is something I, I, I've been dying to talk to you about since reading your column this past weekend. And that is the subject of a true sports phenomenon, something taking the U.S. by storm, spreading like wildfire. And that is pickleball, David. Now, before we talk about your column, a little research I did, I found this great article in Forbes, and it said, and I'm going to read this, pickleball injuries will cost the country $400 million in medical bills. Predictions say pickleball will lead to 67,000 emergency department trips, 366,000 outpatient visits, and 8,800 outpatient surgeries, 4,700 hospitalizations, and 20,000 post-acute episodes next year. And Medicare will be hard hit because 80% of those costs are for people over 60. So, David, empty your mental file here on pickleball. <laughs> yeah, I, I, even though it sounds like it from those, I don't think it's all just a grand conspiracy by the American Orthopedic Institute. <laughs> to, so, so every orthopedic can have a third vacation home. Um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, uh, a lot of injuries, you know, and a lot of it is because people who are taken up they haven't been active for a while, and 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 they skew older, although not as much as you think. Because believe it or not, you know, I, I and I was surprised to read this. Uh, according to the National Pickleball Association, the average age of a pickleballer is like thirty four point nine years old, and I thought it would be like sixty four point nine. So it is. It is at, it, 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 it is, it became, it started as a, you know, gosh, you know, 1965, it, 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 it became a real thing. I mean, it's sort of, it's created, but it was basically just sort of an underground shuffleboard type activity in the Northwest. And then like five years ago, it started catching on the pandemic. People were looking for things to do and they came upon the, you know, and for those who don't know, as if there, there are any human beings who haven't heard of pickleball yet, you know, it's sort of like a combination of tennis and ping pong and rad band. It's played on about a quarter of the size of a tennis court. Uh, and it, but you know what, and, and it, I, I read a lot of stuff being into it and invariably people who tried it, they said, I, I sort of like this. And so I, 
I, I went out there and, and I, I am sort of a tennis snob myself, having played a lot uh, when I was younger. I said, oh, how, how, how good could it be? But a, a, a reader wrote me and said, can I come on out and try it? And I, I did. And I, I got to tell I was into it. I mean, it, it is the kind of sport you can pick it up right away and become competent at it. I mean, you're not going to be great, but you become good enough in, in, you know, in one morning session to go out there and have a good time, which you, know, as, as I, you sure can't do if you play like real tennis or, or I mean, certainly not golf. <laughs> yeah. So the frustration level is pretty low. And it, it is, you know, people say, oh, it's, it's no more active than playing shuffleboard or, you know, throwing darts or shooting pool. Actually, no, I mean, you, you burn a lot of calories out there moving around and all that. Uh, the key, as, getting back to, to your first point, was that you, you got to do a little stretch and you got to do a, a little training. And I put that sort of in, in parentheses. You don't have to go out and hire a personal trainer, but you just, you know, go and, and, and do, you know, do a little exercise do a little jogging, do a little back and forth running just to get in shape to go out there and do something. Because to me, the fact that people are injured sort of proves, hey, it is a real sport. Yeah, well, whether you're a younger person or an older person playing that sport, I think one of the biggest problems is even people that are in really good shape think that they could go out and play it. But if you're used to running, jogging, going in a straight line, ellipticals, bicycling, once you start doing that lateral side-to-side movement, it is really easy to snap an ACL or an MCL or something like that. So there's definitely a very specific type of stretching and even shoes that you need. I, I once worked at a shoe store when I was in college, and I learned a lot about the different makeup of whether it be basketball, running, tennis shoes, different soles, different you know uh, ways things are made. So there's that. And, uh, you know, I was actually introduced, David, the first time I ever heard about pickleball. And this is kind of funny. Uh, more than 20 years ago, when I was a young sports reporter at the Village's Daily Sun, they had it way back in 2000 and 2001. Oh, man. So, so you, were, you were way ahead of the curve there doing that. At oh, yeah. the Village Daily Sun. Man, that, that's impressive. But, you know, you're right. There are specific shoes. A lot of people just go out there and, you know, they're, they're where they're running shoes. Well, running shoes aren't meant to, to, for lateral movement. And so much of pickleball is, as you said, going side to side. And that is something that you don't usually think of, you know, obviously when you're running or just going to the gym and lifting weights on that. So you, you do need to get in, I guess we call pickleball shape before you go out there. And one, one, one uh, sort of cardinal rule they taught me out there says, if the ball's behind you, never run backwards. Never run. Says if the ball's behind you, turn and run forwards towards the ball because backpedaling is where a lot of people fall. And it says a lot of the injuries are just are just wrist injuries from people breaking the trying and reaching out because they have fallen and breaking their fall and they break their wrist. So, so all these things going. But uh, yeah, I think anything that 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 gets people outdoors these days, and this is only doing is a good uh, as you know getting back to the whole the whole we are we are slaves to our androids and iPhones now. So anything that will make you put down you know, get, get out from, from the screen for an hour a day. So I'm all for at this point. All righty. Well, it sounds like we've broken down pickleball better than anyone you're going to find out there in podcast land. So David, you know, uh, we're, we're slowly about, or we're about to emerge from the slowest part of the sports year. We've got football camps that are going to be coming in for, for the NFL. We've got high school football about to get going. We've got college football uh, and all of the other sports in the fall. So what are some things that you're going to be working on here over the next few weeks as we get ready to have what I think is the, the most fun time of year, and that's the, uh, the fall sports calendar? Yeah, well, as, I, you know, as, as we speak, it's, it's the first day of SEC Media Days. So that's sort of like the, the official, unofficial kickoff to, to you know, talking season is over. Now we're in serious talking season, and pretty soon we'll have 
yeah, Cam's open. Thank God. Because, you know, the other night, you know, I turned on the TV looking for something to watch. And, and, and you know, it, I think that there was a replay of the 2017 ACC Women's Lacrosse Championship. And and then there was the, and I couldn't believe I seen it, on ESPN, there was a, a sander racing thing, you know, like like these 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 uh, power tools, these sanding tools. Somehow they made it in. It's it's they made it into a ra- these things will race. They were racing down the thing, and and it was, it, and the they were they were take, it was serious. And I thought this, this this must be a parody, but no, it was legitimate. Man, we are down to watch sanders these sanding machines racing on things that says we need you know please hurry football. So you know as I look at it, it it's mostly football coming up because you know people can't get enough of it and and you know there's gosh, there's a thousand things that you know especially you know in florida that, that uh, i mean but let, let's talk about graham mertz for the next hour we could do it you know? <laughs> that's just the, the the gators qb situation and you know you you, you multiply that by by 10 times and you know f- finally you know uh, there, there's a there's a there's the football light at the end of the dark uh, uh espn sander racing tunnel well, you know, I could probably tell you more about Fred and Ethel Mertz than I could tell you about uh, the Graham Mertz, but, you know, we'll be learning about him soon now that he's here from Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, one odd thing I found myself watching yesterday at a Buffalo Wing chain that will remain unnamed, but uh, they had up on TV, I had never seen this dog competition before where it looked like it was about a 30 or 40 yard track two dogs were running back and forth against each other. And then when they'd come to the end, they're running full speed and they're about to run into a wall. And the owner puts out like this large knot that they bite onto. And then the dog is like stopped in its tracks, even though the body goes flying and then it lands on its forepaws. That was insane. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know what it was called. Yeah. I, I had never seen it before in all of my years of watching sports, but it was enthralling me as I was eating my chicken wings. Oh, I can see why. I'm surprised that PETA wasn't there protesting because it sounds like something right up their alley. Yeah. Oh, and the, the dogs turning was amazing because they'd run it on when they'd go uh, the one direction, there would be a padded wall and they would like leap into it like Ken Griffey Jr. and do a 180 turn and then they'd run back and then their owner would have to stop them using that rope. So at first I thought they were lassoing them around the neck and then I realized they were biting onto it. But I was like, what the heck am I watching? Where's football? So yes, bring that back and and David, before I let you go, you know, people can find all of your great work at Gainesville.com, at Gatorsports.com. Where can they find you on social media, whether it be Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, MySpace? Where are you these days? Uh, I, you know, I, I, am, I am not exactly the king of social media. I just have a Twitter, David E. Whitley, at David E. Whitley. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if Zuckerberg beats Elon, maybe that I, I will be, that'll, all right, I'm convinced. If he can beat Elon in the ring, he can beat him in social media, and I'll, I'll check out threads then, too. There you go. Well, I look forward to reading more of your work, David, and we'll be talking soon, as soon as the Gators get underway here. Their uh, first game is, gosh, what is it? It's only about six weeks away here when they open up at Utah on a Thursday night. So, David, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you real soon. All right, Tim. Enjoyed it. Take care. All righty, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote the Greek philosopher Socrates, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Well, the only thing I know is I'd like you to join me again next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>